Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hey, yogis, welcome back to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I am Jessica Winderl, your host. I hope everybody is doing well and that you're safe and feeling somewhat grounded during this time. And as both in Norway and the US, our society contemplates how to start reopening and getting back to whatever our new normal will be. I hope everybody can take some deep breaths, sit down, move a little slower, perhaps have a little more intention in some of our choices. This is a a great opportunity for us to hit the reset button in a lot of different ways in different areas of our life. Uh, I would like to share some of the updates from the Atman Yoga School. Uh, We have our Restore and Yoga Nidra teacher training in Bergen, which has been rescheduled for October 2nd through 4th in Bergen. So still spots open in that. Send us an email at hello at atmanyogaschool.com if you're interested in that. Also, we have rescheduled our Oslo Restore and Yoga Nidra teacher training for November 27th through 29th. So uh, there's only about, I think, two spots left in that training. But if you want to grab one, then join us. Restore and Yoga Nidra are going to be the perfect practices for anyone to help us reset the nervous system and find tools to really slow down and find a sense of calm and peace in the body while utilizing the guided meditation technique of Yoga Nidra to harness some of our intentions moving forward. And I guess that's it. Nothing else to share from the Atman Yoga School. Um, Those will be the only trainings left of this year since I'll be on maternity leave starting June 18th, coming up. All right, yogis. Let's get to this week's episode. I'm so excited. It was an awesome conversation with Caroline Herring, the owner of Norway Power Yoga, all about the business of yoga. So here we go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and today ah, I'm so excited. I am interviewing a guest. She is a Norwegian yoga studio owner and yoga teacher and has some really interesting perspectives on running a yoga business and perhaps what we could be considering as we move forward after the coronavirus pandemic. So I want to welcome Caroline Herring. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be able to speak here with you today. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just spent like an hour chatting (laughs) before recording (laughs) because there's so much to share. And and I feel like we have a lot in common. Um, We both we both had our businesses started in Norway around the same time. Yeah, uh, around 2016 ish. And you also teach power vinyasa, or, or I guess you can clarify exactly what you teach if you put it in a different category. Um, I teach power vinyasa too, and, and my teacher trainings are power vinyasa informed and supported by yoga philosophy and Ayurveda. Um, do you want to tell us about your studio? Yeah, sure. Um, so I... I currently own and operate Norway Power Yoga. It's in um, Sandefjord, so about an hour and a half south of Oslo. Um, and we we do power vinyasa too. 
um, we uh, we um, specialize in in the more physically intense side of power vinyasa, and then um, we do workshops on on all the side stuff. <laughs> so if you want to learn more, you you show up for for more in depth about that. But um, on the regular, we are power vinyasa studio too. Awesome, so, lots oh. of sweat. <laughs> Yes. Oh God, yes. I love the sweat. What? Yeah. How would you categorize? So this is one thing that you and I both encountered. And you're Nor you're Norwegian. You're from Norway. You yeah. just have lived in the U.S. for a long time and and taught yoga in the U.S. So you have a lot of experience, similar to I do, where it's like kind of half and half, half half yoga experience in the U.S., half yoga experience in Norway. Same with me. And one of the comments you made is when we were talking privately is something I've expressed many times on my podcast is um, how surprising it was actually when we opened our businesses in Norway that not as many people were perhaps familiar with the terminology vinyasa or even power vinyasa. And so you and I both have felt like that's been a big part of our, of running our business is educating our customers and our students about, okay, well, what is, what is vinyasa or power vinyasa or flow or vinyasa flow? And what, how is that different from say Ashtanga or uh, dynamic yoga, which is a term that's used a lot here. How would you describe what you teach? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So we, uh, <laughs> I, I never get better at this question because <laughs> it's, it's really about like understanding who's, who's asking the question, but uh, I always say that um, we uh, power vinyasa is a way to to use the yoga poses to get an actual physical output at the same time as we're using the yogic philosophy and and the breathing exercises to to make it uh, work out pl- and then some <laughs> <laughs> right so so we can have our cake and eat it too. Um, so it's a physically intense form of yoga that focuses on, on transitions to make you feel like you flow more, I think, um, is, is an easier way to understand, understanding what it is. And, um, a lot of the time people ask me if, um, but isn't yoga just stretching? (laughs) I can't believe how often I get that. And, um, it's, um. I often say that, yeah, well, you will get more flexible because you're doing it, uh, but we don't hold the poses. We we usually have one breath, one move, or a maximum of three um, breaths in a pose. So it's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, it's really fast, and and it does it builds that internal heat? Yeah, uh, which help hopefully helps us connect to the breath. One thing I always like to say about vinyasa yoga, too, to help students understand the difference between maybe some other uh, styles or forms of yoga is the fact that in vinyasa, I think there's a lot of freedom in the practice to make it your own. And so what that means is if the practice is for every body. And so students have are, are really encouraged to take a break if they need or to modify a pose or use props and blocks. And so on one hand, every class can be modified for the individual, but then also most of many of the vinyasa classes, at least the style that I teach, is every class is different. Like it's not a set sequence. And I think that's 
a really important distinction that like, oh, okay, you're not going to get the exact same thing every single time you go to class um, with every single teacher. And, and every teacher then has a lot of freedom for their own authentic style and voice to really shine through when they teach vinyasa. And for me, the big attraction with vinyasa, with all of that considered, is just this like immense freedom that comes yeah. through the practice. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I um in the beginning, I was really like a really good student teacher because <laughs> I taught the way it was taught to me, right? And then um, we can't teach what, what I'm recognizing in my education and everything. Uh, the more I learn, the less I know, right? Uh, and and the, f- the thing that we have to empower students with, and I think that we have an easier time with in vinyasa, is to get to know their body. And and to express that freedom, even when we're telling them to do something, to have the knowledge to to modify or to take a break, like you say, or 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 take that child's pose, or or just like hang out in a standing like a like a tadasana or or, or like a mountain pose while the others are balancing, because you're like off today. Like the freedom is is also what hooked me and and what I love to share with people. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, there's so many areas of our life where we're really uh, either taught or told that we must conform. And and so when we show up for a vinyasa yoga class, it's probably, for a lot of us, the only space in our life where we're actually given choice. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And choice over our own bodies. Imagine that. What a shock. (laughs) I know I get um, the one review that I get the most because I ask people for like, how, what did you think? What do you like? And they're like, you're such a liberating yoga teacher. (laughs) That's cool. Liberating is like, it's the word of power of inasa, I think. Mm. Um, Yeah. The moksha. Yeah. uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So one of the reasons I really wanted to chat with you too on this podcast is so much is changing so quickly in the yoga industry in general, uh, both, I mean, globally, of course, and I've been keeping a, a close eye on what's been happening in the U.S. and also, of course, in Norway, since that's where my business is. Uh, and I know you've been doing the same thing, too. What have you talked specifically or maybe first of all, talk about what your experience has been so far in the last like six, seven weeks with everything's shutting down here in Norway and, and how your business has responded. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it's been an amazing ride actually. Um, luckily we, we knew what was going on in the world. So we had already started talking about what do we do when it comes here? <laughs> like we, we'd already initiated that conversation at Norway Power Yoga. Um, but so we did actually decided to close before we were, were shut down by the government. Um, so we, uh, started, um, transitioning to online classes right away. Uh, so within 48 hours, we had 75% of the membership on, uh, a full like 24 hour platform so they could choose when they took their classes. Um, and, and the work for the first week was to get everybody settled on there. We didn't know for how long we were going to be closed, Uh, We wanted to make sure that we provided all our members with enough certainty that we would not leave them hanging, (laughs) so to speak. So we spent the first week uh, going live on Instagram and Facebook groups and 
and calling them and making sure that that we had we we knew that we communicated that no matter what happens we got you like we're going to hold up our end of the bargain here uh you signed up for a membership and you're going to get it <laughs> especially now and then about a week in we decided to to actually think long term so i changed the question that we asked and that was like where do we want to be after this we don't know how long this is going to go on for. We don't know when we get to open, but we need to start thinking about the future. Uh, where do we want to be after? Um, luckily, we we had uh, only one member freeze their membership, so so all of our members were with us. Um, so we didn't actually get you know into financial problems or anything like that. Um, but that comes back to customer service, so we can talk about that later. Yeah, but, uh, which is phenomenal. I know, only <laughs> to have one that retention. It, it was amazing. I, I was shocked, and I was like, "This is why I've worked so hard for <laughs> the past four years." But, um, but yeah, we started thinking, where do we want to be after, and what do we have to do right now uh, to go there? So while we had this other platform with the members, I started building an online studio because I knew that the platform that we had gotten like overnight wasn't optimal it was something we had because of the new teacher training requirements to do some some online uh, we figured we'd get like an online platform so it was just a short um short-term plan so we started building a long-term studio so that we could move like memberships and payments over to that if we had to stay closed um so it's it's been a ride <laughs> I, i'm not sure um do you want more information? Than no, that? no, 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 no. That's awesome. I just, yeah. yeah, I was thinking it's a testament also to just like you said, all the work you did beforehand, not knowing that, of course, this was going to happen. And when we take ourselves seriously as yoga entrepreneurs or yoga business owners, and we really consider the business side of how we are teachers, then I think it, it certainly is easier to you know, it's not ideal, but it's easier to deal with challenges and chaos and unexpected global pandemics. Exactly. <laughs> because I, I've observed, I'm sure you have too, just a lot of scrambling yeah. uh, in the yoga community and studios, especially smaller studios, trying to figure out like, oh my God, okay, I know we've got to get online. How do we do that? And, you know, I would see a lot of messages on Facebook those first like two weeks, like, please bear with us. We're not technology. We're not technologically savvy. We're doing the best we can. We're trying to figure it out. And a lot of questions like, what kind of a camera do I need? And what kind of a microphone do I need? And, and then I would see these videos, um, both in the US and in Norway, some of them. And and the quality was so poor, the sound was so poor. And I truly believe and understand that everybody is doing the best they can. So it's not coming from like a negative place. It's I'm, I'm, I'm simply commenting on what I observed. Um, because I started to see a really big difference between what was being offered online and how it was being presented between the people who perhaps considered themselves to really be business owners and people who consider themselves to be yoga teachers now trying to figure out the business side of things. And so I think that's what this conversation is about between you and I is like, okay, well, how do we take ourselves more seriously 
as business owners within the yoga industry or the wellness space or whatever you want to call it, fitness, um, spirituality. I mean, there's a lot that's encompassed. <laughs> yeah. No, I know it's a, it's such a, it's such an interesting conversation because I kept getting messages from, um, from colleagues in Norway saying, hey, what kind of microphone do I need? What, what, what do I need? And, and I told them and they're like, well, I can't afford that. And I'm like, this is, you have a choice right now. <laughs> uh, you, you have to invest in this because people, it's hard for people to do things at home. If you're not used to doing uh, any kind of home workout or like home yoga class or it's, it's difficult to make the time. You know, uh, we, we, as teachers and, um, uh, we, we try to make it worth your while, right. When you come to the studio, um, and, and to have them help them have the internal motivation, you can't destroy that motivation by bad quality. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm yes. sorry, but, but this is, I'm not even sorry because if, if you listen to something that's, um, where you can't really make out what they're saying. Uh, you can't really see what they're doing. Um, we had some bloopers on this when we first started, but luckily we had we had most of the equipment. But the second week shut down before uh, businesses were shut down downtown, I ran to the closest guitar, guitar shop to get a new mic that could handle sweat because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to teach this um, on camera. I need a better mic because we didn't have a mic system and I didn't want to just put one inside the studio. I wanted to be able to move. Um, so, so we, we just, we were lucky enough to be able to, you know, invest in those things. Um, but, but long-term, um, in the crisis, even just like long-term meaning six weeks, you have to find a sustainable form of business, right? Um, what can you keep up? Everybody can handle a, a, a crazy quality class once, maybe three times, but, but if you want them to come back, you can't, <laughs> you have to see it from your student's point of view and, mm -hmm. and respect that, I think. Um, yeah. And I absolutely understand, you know, that the video equipment or the recording equipment can be very expensive. And especially if you weren't planning to purchase something like that, it wasn't ever really on your radar. And I think this is one of the big problems in the yoga industry in general. And it's really, I mean... It's also in many other industries too, to be fair. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's getting incredibly highlighted during this period is just how many yoga teachers and even yoga studios live paycheck to paycheck or month to month. Or, and, and if one little thing goes wrong, there's nothing left in the reserves to cover that. And so when, yeah, I saw a lot of teachers saying, what's the cheapest option? Like, I can't afford to buy this really expensive equipment. And in my mind, I understand that. Absolutely. But in my mind, I'm also like, well, how can you afford not to? Because exactly. if you don't find a way to do whatever you need to do to have some minimal standard of quality, your students are not going to stick around. As understanding as they are, as loyal as they are, everybody is trying to figure out where they can cut corners in their own budgets. And you know, fitness and yoga are definitely for some people, <laughs> they are yeah. a necessity. But for a lot of people, that's maybe where they're like, eh, I'll just wait until the fall. And then I'll start my membership again. And if enough people stop or freeze a membership at a studio, in the short term, that studio has lost 
everything, like the whole studio goes down. So the question then is like, can you find a way to spend a couple thousand kroner on some equipment or are you going to lose your studio? Yeah. No, that was exactly, exactly what I'm like, what you invest short term is going to come back tenfold. <laughs> I'm like, just spend the 5,000 on the equipment. Um, because, you know, I don't recommend credit card debt, but like every single um, thing that I've put into the business has been, you know, I've had so much come back from it. Um, and, and, and just it, being able, like wanting the jumping off the cliff part, I think is the, the important thing to, to distinguish here, uh, and figuring out why we're doing it because I am put on this earth to, to do this. <laughs> and, and I, to me, it's not that scary to, to make a huge investment. If I know what I'm trying to get out of it, I don't even need to get it out of it. If I know my intention of why I'm doing it, it's way easier to do it. So I was, I need to serve my clients more. I need to serve them better. I need to make sure that they still get the NPY product just from their house. And, and, and we are pretty firm on, I'm always punctual, like all these little rules that we have at the studio <laughs> are even more important now. Like it, they're just highlighted in, in the choice of, of equipment that we've used or the platforms that we've chosen to to develop and how we wanted to ho house host everything on our website like all these little decisions actually matter because you don't have to send clients to multiple places um and and i think being willing to invest you don't even have to talk five thousand like just in one little thing i think shows you shows you that you can do it like <laughs> It's, Absolutely. it's that little decision that is going to mean so much more in this because um, we are, we are a business. Like, yes. There, there's an industry here. Like we have to treat it as a business. And, and that, I think that's what's going to differentiate people when we walk out is, is who is running a business and who's just doing it for fun. Yes, absolutely. I want to come back to that because that's kind of, you know, the next step in all of this is like, okay, well, what happens once studios can open again? What is our industry going to look like? And, but in the, in the short term right now, while we're still in the lockdown and, and in Norway, you know, we're getting closer to having some restrictions lifted in the U S it's all over the place. Like I've seen some studios that have completely opened. I see some studios that are completely shut. Um, one of the largest local studios <clears throat> where a lot of my teacher friends taught out in the States has permanently closed, which was a shock to everybody. Um, but one of the things we can control is our communication. And that's what you touched on too with customer service. When so much is unknown and so much is up in the air, I think that's really the time for business owners to step up to the plate and be overly communicative. <laughs> yeah. With like, even if you don't have an exact answer, um, being able to say, checking in and checking in regularly and checking in early. Um, I've been, I've been surprised by some of the emails I have received from yoga studios where I got a, like three, three weeks after the shutdown, the first email, I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what, what were you doing the first three weeks? And, some other like kind of surprising choices and I get it. Everybody's in a panic. And if you're not sure how you're going to 
you know, pay for your food because everything's tied up in your business, but you have a small business that's not maybe run, being run like a business. You know, there's a lot of considerations that go into that. But I think taking care of your customers, your students, your clients, whatever you call them, is can a, a, a little email goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Or just uh, if you if you can't like we had the problem because the GDPR, <laughs> some people signed their memberships before uh, GDPR was in effect and they didn't like give us permission after when we sent the email. They never like went in to t- give us permission to email them. Right. So we, there were a couple of people we couldn't actually email uh, to tell them that, hey, we're shutting down and um, we have a online offering. <laughs> But um, could you call them? Yes. Luckily, that was in the old contract. But you know, you live and learn. (laughs) But yeah, so we had to like go through the list. Who could we email? Who could we call? And like, this is why having having practices is important and 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 communication with your how do you communicate with your clients? Um, We we only bring in people like all our advertisement um, is done, um, via specific social media platforms. Um, so, so we know that they, we know where they are and we know when they are there. Right. So we made sure that we went live every time we knew they would be online. Right. And we made sure that we would, um, post about what was going on when we knew they were online. Right. So even if we can't email them, we can meet them in that way. Um, but yeah, we, we, we sent out emails right away. That was like, as soon as, as soon as it happened. And then we, we started calling people that we had to. Um, and, um, I think, I think it's the panic factor though. Cause, cause we're a little bit, um, I, I like to compare this to a time uh, in Hawaii because, <laughs> uh, in Norway, we don't, we're not used to a lot of things happening close to us, I think. Um, it, it hit us so close to home that we weren't kind of prepared for it. Um, I in Hawaii, the first tsunami warning that we had when I moved there <laughs> a long time ago, um, the Norwegians were like, "Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna go up to the top floor, you know, right before the wave hits." And then um, the the manager of the building came in and he's like, "You gotta go, like, out of here, up, get up high, like." So he basically pulled us out of the apartment and we were like, this is not, it's probably going to be okay. And, and he was like, but what if it's not, <laughs> mm. you know, and that's, um, and it was only the Norwegians. So we're not used to things happening so close to home. And I think that is what often leaves us in a state of panic instead of be, being able to create the space to figure out how am I going to react or respond to this and how am I going to walk out of this? Um, because we want to try and do it all, um, all right away. And, and if we don't have practices in place business-wise, we can't do it all, mm-hmm. right? And, and seeing that limitation of that. Um, but it's, it's been, you know, I still, um, we still don't have all of the members online. I, I got an email last night actually from someone like, Hey, I saw that you had an online platform. And I'm like, yeah, I've been messaging you for like six weeks. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, uh, I know I, I, I've been online. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you just, uh, but you know, people mute. I think it's also the overwhelm of everything going on right now. Yes. 
scroll past. Um, so, so you can't hit them all, but having, having a plan for how you can communicate with people is, is really important right now. So if you, if, if you don't have it already, like create it right now. If I can tell you to do one thing is figure out how you're going to communicate with people after this. Right. Well, and you know what it makes me think about a little bit too, like we always joke in like business conversations, like, okay, well, gathering client contact information is so important and you get it from waivers. You get it when you have them sign up. If they accept to get your newsletter, you know, capturing email is the number one way in which you should be trying to communicate with your customers. And then if you do through Instagram or Facebook, that's just extra. That's great. You know, but this whole world catastrophe really, and everybody jokes, there's like, oh, well, because everybody's like, okay, well, how are you going to reach your clients if Instagram goes down? And everybody's just like, oh, well, Instagram would never go down. But okay, I see your point. I guess I'll, I'll start collecting the email addresses. But now we can really see, I mean, something could happen. Instagram could go down. And if your main way of communicating with clients is via Instagram, then you would be so screwed. So thinking about the worst case scenarios or thinking about the challenges before they present themselves is how a successful business is run, is you're not problem solving necessarily what's right in front of you in that moment. I mean, you do have to do that, but it's also troubleshooting, okay, well, what could go wrong here? What might happen a year from now? What would I do if X, Y, and Z came up? And, you know, maybe you're not planning for every single possible outcome, but just a couple of the main ones. Like, I mean, this is a huge learning curve for a lot of people. Like, oh, I can't physically reach my customers. And our job, a lot of it's really physical. Yeah, most of it is, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, or, or at least required to be very present. Um, but I think also it's about it's about reconnecting to the intention that of why we're doing this right now, and 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 having um, if your intention is to to live from this, you need to not put all your eggs in one basket, right? You can't just communicate via Instagram because <laughs> mm. if Instagram goes down, you know then you have no, no more eggs in the basket. Right. So you have to, you have to have, um, I, I certainly had that, um, lesson, um, a while ago with the studio where I actually, we lost the studio space. Um, we couldn't stay there anymore. So we had to find a new one. Um, and, and I realized that I didn't have as many streams of revenue as I wanted to, because we, we had to, stop PTs for a while in order uh, to to move the studio. And then that was a whole, that was a big generator. <laughs> like it was a lot of money that we had to say no to, right? Uh, because we couldn't use the space. Um, so I learned that lesson back then that I can't just, I can't just count on group classes. I can't just count on on teacher trainings. I can't just count on PTs. I need to have a system to do all of them. And I need to have a system uh, for, for how to meet people if they're not on Facebook anymore, if they're not on Instagram anymore. Where are they? Um, I need to be where they are. And I also need their <laughs> email. Very important. Um, but I need them to download our app so that I can communicate from there, you know? Mm. And um, we need to we need to treat this as as a business and in a business, you don't, you can't put all your, your eggs in one basket. 
Yeah. Well, and that's such an important topic to touch on too, just for people who are yoga teachers, that how are they adding revenue streams to how they make money? So of course, people are always like, oh yeah, well, I just, I'm going to teach at a studio or I'm going to teach at a gym. And uh, the reality is, and I talk about this in my trainings all the time, like you can only and in Norway, you get paid a lot better in general for your group classes than you do in the U.S. But it's very, it is still very, very difficult to make a living just teaching group classes. You need to be doing other things. And so what does that look like? Well, group classes is the point of the funnel where you get, you have the, generally the largest exposure to people coming to your classes every week. And then you're trying to funnel them into the larger priced items. So then maybe your next funnel is a two-hour workshop where you're charging more money um, for that experience. You're going to get less people, but you still can start, if you're teaching, say, two workshops a month, that can be a great addition to your income. And then you're, and you could even be reaching other people, especially if you're teaching at different studios, like not just the studios you're always teaching your group classes at, although that still can be fine too. And then maybe you have another offering. Maybe you're going to do a private course where, People want to do a seven-week chakra course with you or something like that. And so that's a bigger ticket item too. And so you're spreading yourself out so you're not so reliant just on income from a studio because as we're seeing too, if the studio closes, then you're in a really bad position. Whereas some of these things like a workshop or a course could be done online and there wouldn't be a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's really... Um... It's, it's really about knowing uh, your students, right? How can I serve them more? <laughs> mm. Right? And that's always, uh, it's always the question that I ask uh, new teacher, teachers. What are you trying to teach them? And, and where do you want this exchange of, of, uh, <laughs> of time, of money, of energy to happen? Like, do you want, are you trying to... Um, uh, to only give them that hour a week, or are you trying to help them make it a lifestyle? If you if you want them to make it a lifestyle, you you can create the programs <laughs> for that to happen, right? Um, so so asking the question, how can I serve my clients more, forces the question of who who is my client, right? Yes, and 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 I think now is the time for everyone to niche their yoga classes. I a hundred percent agree. hundred <laughs> like, percent. Make it easy for people to say, Hey, I qualify for that. <laughs> I want, I want that. I, um, when you come to a yoga class at NPY with me, I pretty much know by the first sun salutation, whether or not you're going to stay, mm. I see it in your body language. I can see it in, in the way you react to what I say. And, and I want you to walk out of there being hooked or not. Yeah. And I, how we guide our funnel after that. If you're a hell yeser, <laughs> like I, oh, can I say that here? Of course, yes, yeah. Uh, so, so I want a hell yes, a hell yes or a no. I don't want the meh. I don't want the in betweens, right? I want you to either love it or not. But how you respond to that is how we guide the communication after that, right? So some people might need a little more time. Um, so we have communication email funnels of that. <laughs> like we, we put, we control the journey for you so that you get what you want, right? 
And, and I think that is really important to get to know your client and to know who you want to serve and how you want to serve them um, by, by what you say and by how, why, why you, like how you teach and why you teach. And uh, we have so much, um, I want to say power to choose that, yeah. um, to come from a place of intention without um, feeling bad about the people that, that are not responding to it. Um, because there are as many yoga styles as there are yoga teachers, I like to say, or even more, because I've been like at least 20 different yoga teachers <laughs> since I started teaching, you know, we, we evolve and we grow and we find new things and, and uh, we need to have a business that evolves with that, you know, mm. so we need to have the diehards. We need to have the people, um, the people that I created the online space for now, like we've been, I've been talking to uh, old students of mine in the U.S when are you going to come online? I would love to be a part of NPY. And they've been telling me this for two years. And I'm like, yeah, soon, 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 but I'm so busy. And now they're like, yay, I can finally do yoga with you again after nine years, right? Eight years. So, so to see that opportunity to, to really niche down and to, to understand who you want to teach. Yes. Like, where is your voice? Uh, what, what students do you love and, and what, what students don't light you up, right? What are, what are the questions that you love to get from your students? And, and what are the questions that really drain your energy? Like you can, you can look at those questions, right? You can sit down and you can think and like, well, why do I get that question? It's because of something that I say, right? So how can I modify that to, to create a deeper connection with them? And, and in turn, they're going to, in turn, they're going to stay and in turn, they're going to keep coming to your classes and they're not going to replace you with, with a, like a $20 membership online or on, on a phone, you know, because mm -hmm. that's, um, that's another thing. Pricing, right? <laughs> People are giving away yoga for free the second uh, you down. And I'm like, you cannot do that. No, 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 <laughs> no free yoga. No, I, I mean, it's, um, it, it's great to, to, to give something, but you don't have to give, um, or devalue what you do. Yes. Um, so our online membership is, uh, the, well, the cheapest one is 49 bucks a month because I just don't want to be, uh, like the 20, like the big corporations that can offer it for 20 bucks. That's great. We're not the, one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and like, and the difference I think still is that you can maintain some personal connection. Whereas if you're talking about an aloe yoga or you're talking yeah. about a glow yoga, like there's no back and forth, you know, if you're paying no. 200 kroner a month for your membership, yeah, you're getting high quality classes because they have all the equipment in the studio and the makeup artists and all of that. But um, there is something that gets lost in the relationship. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I, I totally agree about not devaluing yoga in general, not devaluing what you offer. Because here's the problem. If you drop your rates, you start teaching things for free, like even just during the corona period, what happens when everything's back to normal? And now all of a sudden you're going to jack your prices up again. Then your, your students aren't going to stick with you through that. Like you need to have some consistency and have, here's the really important thing, have the confidence to charge what you want to charge. Rather than being like, oh, I see what so-and-so is doing over here. Oh, shoot, should I be doing that? Or should I lower my prices? What if I don't get enough students? And I, I think if you stick to what you 
the value you think you're offering, people are going to respond and they're going to find you. The students who are meant to find you will find you. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes, they will. And they make it easy for them. If, if finances, like if, if, if the investment to come to your class or your workshop is too much, make it easy for them. Like make it easy for them to say no. Uh, if it's not within their budget, it's not. Um, we had um, my my ex husband was in the military, and uh, we uh, it's about like I my membership the membership at my studio that we that we had um, was one hundred and fifty dollars a month. And, and we made at this point, because it was early in his career, um, he, he brought in like 2000 a month and we spent 1700 on rent. Oh, like I wanted to go to yoga. <laughs> like it was still a priority, right? I made sure that this was a priority because I wanted it. And, and, and that's what I think we shouldn't fear um, as, as, as studio owners or teachers is that we people are going to if they value your work they will find a way right and, mm-hmm. and 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 if it's not available it's not available but the second that, that it is available for them they will come right um yeah nothing wrong with that <laughs> well and it comes back to what you're saying too about finding your as a teacher finding your authentic voice and solidifying the niche market that you want want to teach to like that's the important thing like who do you want to teach who are the students that light you up what are the topics within yoga that light you up what's the style of yoga that lights you up and I I feel like and maybe even more so in Norway than in the U.S. possibly um I think some new teachers really struggle with this because they're just like well I don't know I just want to teach they're like, I don't care who comes. I just want to teach yoga. I just want to teach yoga. It's like, okay, um, good, <laughs> but, <laughs> or good, and you need to be more specific. And that's what I think this time period would be so greatly utilized for is refining your message. So like that would be my number one piece of advice to any yoga teacher listening or or who's just trying to recalibrate what their career is going to look like after this is refine your message who are you as a teacher what do you stand for who are your dream clients and um maybe do some third chakra work and like bolster that confidence to go out there loud and proud and say hey this is who I am as a teacher and I have every confidence that if I put it out there, people are going to respond and people are going to sign up for my classes or my courses or my workshop or whatever it is. And I think that that tipping point, though, is very uh, fragile because I remember what it was like to be a brand new teacher and how scary it is. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. it's, oh my God. <laughs> you know, it's easy for me to give this advice sitting where I sit now where <laughs> I've been teaching for a really long time. But I think people need to hear that message too, because what I and what I predict is going to happen is that the yoga industry is completely transforming. It's going to be so different from what it looked like before, and the old status quo is no longer valid. So what that means is the people who have the most courage, who are the most hungry, are going to be the ones who who are successful coming out of this period. They're just going to hit the ground running and go for it and unapologetically be who they're meant to be as teachers. That's what I see happening. And so then the question to any teacher is, is that you? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Is that you? I have this really cool thing in my teacher training where I, um, where I put them on the other side of the room and I tell them to scream and shout as loud as they can. (laughs) And, and just to, just to like emphasize that courage, like you need to, you need to get out of your comfort zone. And I know that like saying, Oh, from, from across the room is not, not natural to you. And, but, but you have to step out of that comfort zone. You have to find your voice. You have to have the courage to, to, to say what your yoga love language is. Like I, my love language is sweat. Like if, like I need, I need to be physically exhausted. So if, if I don't, well, I needed, let's say the first six years of my yoga journey, I needed that. Now I can, I, I can do other things, but had it not been for, for these specific teachers offering me that uh, physical exhaustion factor, I wouldn't have stayed, right? And and we want our students to stay. We want our students to keep doing yoga because without yoga, like what is life, right? Yes. <laughs> so so we want them to stay and 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 we so we have to make sure that we facilitate for that. And a part of that is lighting that fire, is figuring out what is your voice and 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 finding that courage. Um, so we, um, but I do, I do tend to use a lot of unconventional methods in a yoga teacher training, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the screaming, they, they remember that, you know, they, when I talk to the graduates, they're like, oh my gosh, that taught me so much. That one hour that I was standing there taught me so much. And, um, and it is about finding that courage. And that's going to be the, the factor that separates the people the people who are just doing it because they love it and the people who, who love it and want to make this um, a lifestyle and a life and a future and a career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's going to be, I, you know, I, I can't imagine any studios are hiring now or, or probably even for the rest of the year would be my guess. Most of them. Um, and so teachers are going to have to be extra creative to make themselves stick out. But Taking that step, taking that leap, I think what we're going to see is a lot of current yoga teachers are actually probably going to go be looking for quote unquote regular jobs or, you know, desk jobs or corporate jobs because this experience has been so terrifying for so many people and the instability that it's created in a lot of lives is very real, very valid. And so I think a lot of people who even love teaching yoga are going to be like, wait a minute, I love teaching yoga, but this for me is too unpredictable. And so they're going to go get get jobs that are going to open up other possibilities within the yoga industry for those who are hungry and bold and courageous to come in and take advantage of. And what exactly that looks like, I don't know. But I just, you know, I'm also such an optimist and I I really spend a lot of time in the space of visions (laughs) in terms of like, oh, what is, I'm also wildly Vata. So I'm like, what is possible? How could this look? And I have so many personally, like so many big dreams and, and these, these visions that I'm looking at. And so I believe that can be possible for anybody too. It's just, are you going to take the work to do it? So there's like, you need the vision component and the innovation component and the courage component. But then you also need like the grounding, which is the kind of what we've already touched on a little bit, the organization. <laughs> yeah. Can you be organized? Can you do the daily grind? Can you answer those emails? Can you be really 
um, present with your bookkeeping? Can you be really on top of whatever your marketing strategy is? So there is a lot that goes into it for sure. But I think, I don't know, I think the sky's the limit. And especially with some of these big players who are no longer going to be as influential in the yoga industry. Um, And I mean, globally, I don't mean necessarily locally, but globally, a lot of the big yoga companies have either they're struggling so much or they have already gone bankrupt uh, that a lot of things like, for example, yoga festivals, a lot of the big yoga festivals are not going to look the way they've looked the last decade. And so for me, actually, this is super exciting because I have the Atman Yoga Festival, June 19, 2021, Doga Oslo, come and join us. (laughs) Um, You know, but I think what that does is that opens the door for smaller venues and for smaller events to take place and for those to be successful. So I don't know. What do you, what do you predict that we're going to see? Oh, predict. First, first, I just need to mention something. Yes, we're going to see a, a lot of smaller menus, a lot of smaller people um, or smaller businesses rising from this, right? Um, and, and from like a studio owner perspective, I first want to just encourage people to, to, to have the courage to approach different ways of doing business. Right. Because as a studio owner, uh, I am probably not going to be able to hire new people that I don't know, bring in people right for mm-hmm. a while. Um, so so I want to encourage you if, if you want to be a yoga teacher right now to to prove your value to where you want to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really to to really invest your time working to create a common vision right? So that you're working for the same thing and you're working in a place where you feel at home, you feel nourished and um, where you feel that you are, you're allowed to be free and teach what you want to teach. I think that is really important right now because studios are going to face different consequences. If, if memberships are down, if, uh, you know, other people have to teach and people have to teach for less, right? Mm. Or, or you can, you can partner with where you are and, and, and make more, right? And, and I'm really passionate about giving yoga teachers the freedom to choose whether they just want a steady pay or if they want commission pay for, for, for what they deliver. And I really, truly think we need to encourage more people to take ownership of, of what they make from this, um, from, from, from a studio standpoint, too. Um, so, but what I predict, I think, I think people, um, I think then the riches are in the niches as they say. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. Have you never heard that? No. That's probably my business background. <laughs> the riches are in the niches. Um, so we are because of, because of the coronavirus, right? We have to change things. We can't be as, cl- as close together, right? We can't operate in the same way. So at NPY, we've made some huge decisions and we just announced them to our members. So I can, uh, I can tell your audience right now. Um, but we, Norway Power Yoga is moving on, has moved online permanently, right? So the whole thing that we offer is just going to live online because we need to niche down. We had to go and look through, uh, class attendance to see what classes brought people. And we saw a clear trend towards the hot yoga space. 
so so we have more attendance in hot classes and because we now can't have 30 people in a room we need 10 <laughs> we we can't offer an unheated class if that brings 10 on the regular but a hot class brings 30 right so we had to make these tough de- decisions so now if you want unheated npy classes you have to go online mm-hmm. and this is how we're meeting this because we can't meet them all because that would mean I, ha- I would have to teach five classes a day again. And I'm too old for that now. Oh, God. Yeah. I, oh, that makes me that makes my whole body just like start shaking in horror. Ah! <laughs> I can't do that. I, I just can't do that anymore. And we can't offer that because it's just not sustainable as a business. Um, so we're going to have to a lot of people are going to have to say, well, I don't like hot yoga. And then we can't serve you. But there are other people in town that are going to be able to serve you if that is what you want. Right. Because mm. um, because we need to have we need to know who we serve and we need to serve them well uh, or, or we won't survive because people, if people are kind of like, man, whether or not they, they like you, they're not going to be, they're not going to be coming back before the summer and they're not going to be coming back until the fall. And who knows if we're there in the fall. Right. Yeah. So, so we're, we, we need to be conscious of, of niching down even more. Like, what do you offer? <laughs> like, what are you selling? There was a point in my career. I sold time. I was like, I'm selling you time because you get in and out in 60 minutes. And I was so punctual and it was a big thing. And these people, they were in and out in 62 minutes. They wow. showed up before a class and then they left. They didn't say a word after. <laughs> but it was like they got, a, got exactly what they wanted. And, 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 and we can do that right now. Now is a really good time to get really clear on what your voice is, what your intention of teaching is, and where the direction, where do you want to go? Yeah. Because start talking about that now. Start talking about that on your social media, in your emails, with people. Talk about where do you want to go? Because there are hundreds of people who are willing to go with you if you just find that courage to figure out where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, and then put it out there. And yeah, exactly. I, that's the big part is, is to not be hesitant about your message. And I think a lot of teachers struggle with that. Is and and I can I see it often. I'll see it in kind of like a people are like, oh, I know I need to be more online or more on social media, and and I consider a hesitant marketing strategy like a website that's so outdated it has events or or things from you know 2015 on it still, <laughs> or you know an, an Instagram page that they haven't posted since December of 2019, and you know, not everybody has to be experts at at everything technology related, but trying to at least have some consistency with putting your message out there. I think that's a big thing. And I I struggle with this a lot on Instagram as well. Um, On the Atman Yoga School Instagram consistency, because I have three different Instagram accounts. And, and frankly, I just get so bored that it's hard. And I've hired somebody now to help me um, so that I can delegate and I don't have to be in charge of that anymore. Uh, because it just isn't of interest to me, but trying to recognize where your strengths and your weaknesses are. And then is there a way to perhaps maybe not let your weaknesses fall through the cracks and maybe enhance your strengths so that you can really go out there and be bold? Like the, the hesitancy is, I think, what, what kills a lot of people in their business is just like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll get to that or, oh, okay, I really should do that. It's like, okay, you got to be organized, be structured, get it done. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and just honing that, honing that message, understanding that you don't need to know, but the role will kind of, um, 
appear as you're walking. <laughs> no, when you, when you just decide to, to, to find, find the courage to go. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, it's really more about courage than anything right now. Um, I had, um, I had a, a really weird message uh, from someone saying, you can't sell stuff now that we're in a crisis. And I'm like, well, if I don't sell stuff, then I don't have a business. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I need to find new things to sell because what I'm used to selling is in-person stuff. And, and it's not like I, I can still serve these people. I just need to figure out a different way to do it. Right. And, and I think understanding that your message doesn't have to be one thing, but you have to provide people with certainty that you are there. Yeah. And that you're in it. Uh, because if you're if you're not showing up consistently, if you're not um, if you're not communicating with them consistently, they will go to the person who who is. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's um, I think I think that the more we can figure out why we are doing this as instructors and as teachers, uh, it's easier to to get out there. Um, because if you're not clear on why why you do this, then you don't know what to say. Mm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Everybody's tell, telling me how how can you post every day, and I'm like, because I know I kind of know what I have to talk about. Like if in the beginning it was hard, it was difficult, um, but then then you practice, and then you see what people respond to, and then you see what they don't respond to, and then you modify, and then you try again, and it's it's about just get clear, like sit down, create the space right now. I know it's crazy, but sit down, create the space to calm down so that you can walk out with more, Mm. walk out with more intention, walk out with more clarity, walk out with more direction, walk out with understanding that, that who you are as an instructor is you are needed, right? Yes. So true. and and you don't have to be needed by everyone and everybody doesn't have to like you but but you have to you have to you have to like you yeah <laughs> like you need to there was a point in time where i was really clouded by all these other educations that i had like i i specialized a lot in sports training and all that kind of stuff cuz i'm also a personal trainer and that influenced how i taught for a while in a heavy way and 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 that confused some of my regulars right they were like this is not what I signed up to do I'm here for yoga I'm not Mm. here to move better (laughs) and 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 that's okay too and I'm like I'm sorry well how can we how can I be happy and you be happy like how can I I didn't invite them for that conversation but that's what I did behind the scenes I was like okay I see I'm losing you I'm losing you how can I what is my message what am I really trying to say with this and that's when the freedom and, and the liberating review started coming in because I'm really trying to tell you that you you can move your body, right? And and you have a chance to decide why you're moving your body and, and what you're trying to get out of it. And I really want that to be what my students walk away from the class with, right? But but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to ask yourself some questions mm-hmm. and find, and create the space. Just really creating space. Isn't that what we do on the mat all the time anyways? Create. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And having that self-sufficiency, I think that's going to be a big 
determining factor between yoga teachers who are successful and those who are not after everything is, is reopened and everything's kind of getting reestablished because before there was such reliance on the local studio you taught at and the studio will promote my classes and I just need to show up and then I get paid. And, and I think the teachers that are going to take a little bit more initiative and really stand on their own two feet and be like, here's what I do. Here's my message. Here's my audience. Here's how you can find me. Oh, and by the way, I also teach at the studio are going to be the ones who are able to perhaps, um, rebound a little faster or yeah. create, create a whole new niche for themselves. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I took a lot of good training out of being a personal trainer because we used to have to like invest hours on the gym floor, just being there. Right. Oh, in order to build the client base. So whenever I started teaching yoga at, um, I used to do the same. I used to just be at the studio <laughs> or just like hang out there and talk to people. Teaching yoga today is so easy because we have social media. We have all this stuff back in the day. You had to make people want to show up for the next class at the class that you were at, right? Yes. Before and after. Like you had so much work to do. Now you can just show up. <laughs> you can just post on Instagram that you're teaching and, and you can show up. Like, but but it's you have to invest the time, right? You will get paid um, what you invest. Basically, it, it goes back to that investment. Invest your time to create some space for yourself right now to figure out how you want to walk out of it. Mm. And then also... Um, invest the time with your students, like send them a message. How are they doing? And, and I know GDPR prevents a lot of people from communicating, but, um, encourage them to, to answer like questions or polls on Instagram, and then you can message them back. There are ways to reach them so that you can serve them. Um, but, um, it's, um, yeah, those were the good old days, huh? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> when you had to like be hours. I showed up for work an hour early, and I would just hang out, and I would go around. Um, I was teaching at this one huge gym, and I would like walk around the floor there and strike up conversations. I'm like, I'm teaching yoga. Um, when I took over classes, it was like three people, and then uh, when I left, I had like sixty. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because it's all from like conversations, and we need to. We can't forget that. It's. It's relationships, right? Community. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah, we have to build those relationships and we have social media now. So we have like, we, we can get to people in their houses, in their bathrooms, right? Yeah. <laughs> people are sitting on the toilet yep. looking at what you're doing. Like take advantage of that situation right now. If you're hungry for this, if you want to live and teach yoga right now, you need to take advantage of the fact that, that, um, Linda is sitting on the toilet scrolling Instagram. Yes. We don't like to, we don't like to talk about that, but it's the truth, right? So, so we have to, we can use that. We don't have to walk around the studio or walk around town and, and tell people that you have a yoga studio. I've done that too here when I opened uh, NPY at first, I would walk around the neighborhood and like give people handwritten notes and say like, wait, I opened a yoga studio. Welcome. Come try it out. Like, like, like communication is everything. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but just know, know what you're trying to say, have the, the right intention of where do you want to go with this? And, and how do we want to walk out of this coronavirus crisis? And, and it's going to stick around for two years two two some plus some years. We're going to, that's usually what the length of a pandemic is, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Based, based on history. And, and then, 
So, so we might face this again, or, or we might not start planning now for what do you do if it happens again? If it has a, if they can't control it, like think about that kind of stuff. I know it sucks. I know it sucks to think about it, but just do it. Like, so that you have some kind of plan or a vision for how, how you want to move out of that. Right. Because we can all handle one crisis, but can we handle the second? Mm. Um, or, or a lot of people can't handle the first, but not the second. And maybe people, if you lose 20% of your membership now, and then maybe you're forced to shut down again, we don't know. Right. What do you do then? Like, is, is what you're doing right now sustainable? Yeah. Yeah. And is it, is it going to bring you where you want to go? Because if it's not going to bring you where you want to go, get off the train right now and reevaluate. Yep. Oh, such, such wise words. So I want to thank you, Caroline, for being on the podcast and chatting with me and sharing all of this. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens the rest of the year here in, in Norway and in our local yoga communities, but also internationally. I mean, a lot is shifting. um, That's for sure. But when what I my biggest takeaway from all of this is all that means is opportunity. Oh, yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So much opportunity. There's so much opportunity right now. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yes, yes. And we'll be in touch. Have an amazing day. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.